the hard part, and that's a hard part to foresee when you get married younger, is that the idea and the goal, I think everybody strives for when they get married. Nobody gets married hoping to get divorced. I haven't met anybody who did that. The reality is at some point in your path, you're supposed to grow through life together and adapt and pivot and change together and kind of be on the same page as far as how you do that and strategy and lifestyle. And when one person decides that they want to change that plan drastically and the other person doesn't want to change, that's where that divergence happens. And it's understandable and sometimes unforeseeable. Welcome to the Thriving in Chaos Project. Certified divorce coach and credentialed mediator Paulette Rigo invites you to grab a favorite beverage, find a cozy seat, soothe your soul, and take a listen. This podcast was created and inspired by our courageous journeys, love for connecting with others, and having meaningful conversations that teach, impact, and heal through sharing our stories. In each episode, Paulette will be joined by some of the most experienced and compelling experts in all things divorce and transformation. Listen to prepare and thrive through the toughest chapters as we reveal our hardships, celebrate our lessons learned, and see the future clearly with encouragement, hope, and joy. Leave feeling empowered and prepared to approach life and maintain our dignity no matter what. Each podcast episode focuses on sharing real conversations from real life situations. Isn't it time you thrived? Welcome to the Thriving in Chaos Project. I am Paulette Rigo, your host, and today I am very happy to be um, joined by a co-professional. Uh, there aren't that many of us out there, so we have to stick together. Um, and what's really exciting about this is it's the first interview that I am presenting to my audience that is a male. I have generally just interviewed females. So when Jason and I met a few months ago, uh, I said, I'm going to have you be the first male on my podcast. And voila, what, you know, when I say something, I do it. So, so welcome. Welcome to the show, Jason Lavoy. He's also known as the Divorce Resource Guy, which is such a great name because I feel like I'm the same. I usually call myself the Rolodex girl. He's also a former divorce attorney who's turned divorce coach, who empowers people getting divorced with the information they need to know so they can make the best decisions their post-divorce life. So welcome, Jason. I'm so glad you're here with me oh. today. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. And I'm so glad to uh, to be your first male. <laughs> I know that sounds a little, um, I don't know, kinky, but we're just going to- right, it. right. Yeah, a little risque. So um, I wanted to have you on, not only because, gee, I need to uh, expand and broaden my horizons about starting to interview men. Not that I don't like to interview men. I have many uh, male um, professionals that I work with on a daily basis. I'm not uh, anti-man. I'm happily remarried. So, um, But, you know, I, I didn't just want to do it to do it. 
And, and I found that you were such a unicorn in a great way. I hope you're not offended by that term, meaning you're unique because there just aren't a lot of attorneys that say, I'm going to shift my career. Uh, they just don't. You know, you, you go to law school for a reason. You study and study and study and pass the bar and you create a practice or you go with the firm and, you know, we all know the route and, um, and then all of a sudden, voila, I'm going to change that. So tell us a little bit about your background and why you decided to shift your work as a divorce attorney to what you now do now. Well, and, and that is a story, you know, I'll try to keep it as short as possible, but, um, Listen, like the best things that happen to people in life, nothing is planned out that way, right? You can you can plan as much as you want, and we'll talk about planning a little bit later. But we'll talk. You can plan as much as you want, but the route that you end up taking to get from A to Z isn't probably going to be the route that you planned originally. Um, so you do the best you can, and then you got to roll the punches and pivot, right? That's what life is about: pivoting, and at least that's what I'm I'm finding. And so. I went to law school when I went, it was a little bit later. Um, I'm not as young as I look, but um, you know, I went to college, I worked for a few years. Um, then law school at that point was always an interest of mine. Okay, I will say that it was always an interest of mine, but the extra years of schooling and loans and the commitment um, was not an interest of mine. <laughs> so I found other things to do. I have different interests in life. and. I, I pursued those for a bit. Then I went to graduate school in California for corporate communications uh, because that was an interest of mine and I was gonna go into the entertainment industry and I was gonna do writing for TV film. Um, and I thought that was gonna be my path. Um, and then uh, my daughter's, my, my daughter's with us, but- um, We love guests, particularly when they're little girls. Surprise guests, yes. And then, so I went to do, I went to, I did that. And then after that, I was going to thought I was going to stay out in California. Everybody thought I was going to stay out in California um, and because it's La La Land. And, but it wasn't for me. I'm an East coaster by nature. I grew up, you know, and it's just, I wasn't feeling it out there and I didn't want to spend the rest of my life out there, which is what I would have to do to, to work in that industry really, um, or at least get started. So I decided, you know what, again, I have, other interests I could pursue. It's not all or nothing. And so I moved back East and then I worked in the pharma industry for um, a few years in corporate communications. And then the law school thing was always in the background, you know, like, what if, what if, and then the opportunity presented itself um, kind of drastically uh, to go to law school. And, you know, it was one of those, all right, well, it's now or never type things. And so I, I decided to kind of like, bite the bullet. And, and I went to law school. And when I went to law school, it was for a very specific purpose. It was to become a family lawyer or divorce lawyer in essence, um, because that's how I felt like I could best help people. You know, I didn't, I never had an interest walking and working like in a, a large law firm, you know, representing, you know, big insurance companies and, um, you know, being stuck in like a law library for the first five years of my career doing, what Research. I would consider, yeah, right, right, and not talking with clients and people, and I'm I'm a people person. I like to engage and and, and work with people, and, and and that that's what I wanted to do. And being a divorce lawyer, there was no better way to do that, um, right from the get go. And so, 
So that's what I did. I went with the purpose of being a divorce lawyer. And I remember at the time when I went to law school, other attorneys who were working in different fields of law were, were, were telling me like, are you crazy? Why would you want to become a divorce lawyer? And, you know, of course, I was younger than them at the time. And, and especially in the legal field, not as experienced. And so I, I, I thought, well, why? I'm not the one who's crazy. You're the one who's crazy. And, uh, you know, and um, so I, I, I went and I did my thing and I graduated and I went right into work as a divorce attorney. Um, and then within a couple of years of doing that, and that's all I did. Um, you know, I specialized in, in divorce law and I worked for firms. That's all they did. I realized very quickly that, yeah, I wasn't going to do this for the next 30 years of my life, you know, uh, or ever, however long it was uh, until I retire. And because remember, I went to law school a little bit later. So I, um, I realized that litigating and I, and I was working with like high conflict divorces, you know, not amicable divorces, although there were a couple sprinkled in, which were always nice, but like high conflict, custody battles, like the worst of the worst. And after doing that for a couple of years, um, I, I came to that realization that this is not going to work long-term um, and I'm not happy, you know, professionally. Um, and I'm an otherwise, as you know, you know, from your short, our short time knowing each other, I'm an otherwise happy kind of go lucky guy, right? With a positive outlook. And yeah, my daughter agrees with us <laughs> and um, that working in that type of an environment, um, which is kind of, well, not kind of, it's negative, um, you know, was bringing me down, even when I wasn't at work. And, um, you know, you, could, you couldn't help if you're a human being, you know, take some of that home with you every day. And, and so, again, I'm thinking long term and I'm seeing the short term effects. And that was definitely going to be a mismatch, but I still enjoyed helping people. And I wanted to help people um, in that area and going through a dramatic uh, divorce. And so I thought to myself, what can I do? How can I do this? Is there a way to do this? Um, but not in the current situation of working, being a divorce attorney and, and working for, uh, you know, just as a divorce attorney for the rest of my career. And so then I had this aha moment. I had this aha moment where I remember it like it was yesterday. I was on the phone with a, another attorney um, and we're, we were arguing over like parenting time and, and picking up a child, you know, on a Saturday morning between 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock. And um, we were spending hours on this one hour of time, hours. And you, you know how much attorneys charge, right? An hour, sure. yeah, hundreds of dollars an hour. Right. And so on oh, one hour of time. And anyway, and, and the other attorney and I, we got along professionally fine. We weren't the problem. It was our clients. And I never, even now as a coach, I never have a problem giving my client the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? That's what I feel our job is as a coach. I, I'm not here to sugarcoat anything. I need to tell you what I think is going on in my opinion, you know, especially if you're doing something that perhaps you shouldn't be doing, you know, I'm going to tell you and I'm going to call you out on it. And accountability is, is part of the gig, right? And so- that, that our clients were the problem. Um, and that's the aha moment. Long story short, that's when it changed. That's when I decided I'm going to change directions and pivot. And I'm, I'm getting out of the litigation aspect of divorces. And I'm going to help people who need it the most. And that included both people who have attorneys and who don't have attorneys, but help them as a coach uh, 
by empowering them with the information that I know as a divorce attorney um, so that they can make the best decisions um, as they go through their divorce. And, and that was the moment. Sorry for that long-winded answer. No, it wasn't that long. You did a nice job. Yet you have to walk down the path, right? So here you are in this conversation with a, a peer attorney and you have this aha moment. How long did it take before you shared that aha moment with um, friends and family and your coworkers? And uh, how well was it received? Did people, um, what was that statement you said? Um, I'm not crazy. You're the one that's crazy. Right. So it's kind of interesting because the my professional colleagues who were attorneys, um, when I told them I was leaving family law in the traditional context, um, they they had that sort of, you know, oh, I told you so, <laughs> you know, without without saying it in my face type of thing. But I got it, you know, and and, uh, you know, they I told you so. Um, and but to be honest, like I understood it better, too. And I agree with them. Like it takes, uh, it takes a certain type of person to to work in that field um, of divorce law. Um, you have to have a certain type of personality. But what the problem that I, and which I had, you know, I felt like I was definitely catered for that type of work. But the problem was the long term effects. You know, the the most experienced and the attorneys who were doing that type of work and who focused on that for their career um, for, you know, 25 plus years, those people, that's what made me change my mind um, because I saw what was happening to those people. And it was the majority of them um, were not overall happy people um, professionally or personally. And mm. um, the conclusion I came to was that it was the effects of working in that field for so long um, changed them for the worse. And I did not want to become that. Mm. So that was, that was like me looking into the crystal ball, but that was it. And so I understood why people would say to me, like, are you crazy for wanting to do that? Because it is hard and it does take a special type of person to do it. Um, but it's so important. Uh, you know, the work is so important and that we need good people doing it. But I felt that for me, I could better help people doing it a different way. Mm. And so that, and so that's what happened. And so the reaction I get now, I still get it to this day because divorce coaching is still so new. Mm -hmm. um, and part of it is people don't even know it exists. And, and, and so when professionals, when I tell professionals what I do, they're like, really? Like, they, you can do that? Yeah, I'm doing it. And, and but, but, Watch then they, me. Yeah. <laughs> but, but then you talk about it for five minutes and then they get it. And they're like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and, the, and it does, too. Like, I get that from the clients I work with, and I'm sure you do, too, is that how often do you hear from people after the fact, like, oh, I wish I knew you five years ago or 10 years ago. And from people who, who you meet who are, are divorced and are like, oh, I wish I had you for my divorce. And because those services didn't exist back then, and, and people aren't aware that they exist now. And so that's our part of our job. And it's getting the word out, right? That, that we do exist and we can help and we do fill that void. And that's why I decided to become a coach was because I felt like I was filling mm -hmm. that void um, for people in the process who, who needed help. Mm. You have uh, brought up some beautiful points. I just want to dig into a little bit deeper. You mentioned that uh, you thought or 
believed you had the de- the demeanor or the personality to be an effective uh, family law attorney. Uh, what are what is that personality? What skills should people be looking for when they are seeking to hire an attorney? Uh, because it does take a certain type of air quotes personality. What is that? What do they need to be successful? That's a great question. Or effective. Yeah. Yeah. And as a coach, that's part of what I do too, is I help people find the right attorney. Um, hopefully yep. the first time. Um, because it's like a dating have, game, right? In a way, listen. And a, a without without attorney, the romance, everybody. With that, we're not trying to be, insinuate that. But you know, there there you have to, it's like going to a buffet, everyone, right? You you can't just always go with the one food that you're comfortable. You gotta you gotta get out there and try a few and and see if it's a good match and if it if it sits right with you. But I'm really curious because you said uh, I heard you say, you know, have to go back and get the ta- timestamp, but uh, I thought I had that personality and, you know, I, I, I do, but so from somebody with your experience, what is that? Because that is such um, an important thing for people to, to be able to discern and find that it's a gift. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so this is it's my opinion, of course, uh, but this is, this is how I felt about it in order to be an effective. And I use that word in quotes, effective uh, divorce attorney, you need to have the personality to be able to handle uh, all different types of situations and conflict. So there are attorneys out there who I, I would stereotypically refer to as a pit bull type attorney, right? Somebody who is going to fight out in court over everything. It's not interested in, in settling, not interested in doing things amicably, quickly, and or cheaply. They just want to fight. They're fighters. That's what they do. And that's what they're known for. Not every divorce calls for that type of a, an attorney. In fact, most don't. Um, even conf, even um, contested divorces, you know, people who have issues they're fighting over, I would say the majority of the time don't require a pit bull type of an attorney. Okay. Um, but certain that certain cases do, and that's why they exist. But if you have a case that doesn't require that type of a personality and you get somebody, you hire an attorney with that type of personality, they're going to steer your case onto that type of a track and take you down a path that you never needed to go down to go down in the first place, which is going to be a lot more time consuming and a lot more expensive for you. Um, okay, that being said, getting back to the personality question. So somebody has who can be effective, needs to be well-rounded and um, have what I would call a high emotional IQ. Um, And, you know, something I've learned over the years is there's different types of intelligences and, you know, different types of IQs. And so, you know, when you're talking about how smart somebody is, it's not just how much information you know, but emotional intelligence is a different facet of that. Mm -hmm. And I've always consider myself as somebody who had a, a higher emotional intelligence, uh, perhaps because I, I lacked in the other areas. <laughs> but I, um, so that, what does that mean? That means like, you have to know people and be able to read people and understand people. Uh, and I would emphasize and underline the word understand. Be, and, and, and that requires listening, like sincerely listening. Um, even though I'm an attorney, I'm still an attorney, um, but I practiced as a, uh, as a divorce attorney for years. Like I was, I've, I always considered myself a good listener. 
and I hated talking. And I'm not a big talker now, even though I'm a guest on your show. But like, I, I don't like when I do my webinars and, and stuff like that, where I have to talk for an hour plus, um, I try to make it as interactive as possible because I hate hearing myself talk just on and on and on and on. It's just never my personality. I, so I like to listen. I like to understand why people are feeling and doing the things that they're doing. If I always joke around, if I wasn't an attorney, I would have been a psychologist. And that's it. I'm serious about that. Mm -hmm. um, but so I love psychology and I love figuring out people. And I think to be an effective divorce attorney, you need, you need to be that type of a person. Um, you need to be somebody who can look at a situation and look at the different paths or options to solve a, a particular problem uh, mm -hmm. or strategy, you know, form different strategies to approach a problem and then decide with the client which one is best for them, not for the attorney. Um, and, and that's what it's about. It's, a, it's about figuring out what you want, what you need, and then how best to achieve those goals. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so somebody, flexibility comes to mind, the word flexibility, so, and, and turning these to be flexible. Mm. Um, and again, not so rigid. And that's what happens with divorce attorneys, in my opinion, is especially the longer they do it, they become more rigid in their approach to things and mm -hmm. that, you know, this is the way we do it. You know, are, you're in, you're, the, you're in that situation where you have a custody issue. Well, this is what we have to do. We have to get an evaluation. We have to go blah, 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 blah. Like it's a cookie cutter thing. And, and mm -hmm. it's not every divorce. I preach this all the time. So I couldn't practice that way is like I said, divorces are like snowflakes, right? There's no two alike. Mm. Um, and it's true uh, because they're so fact sensitive to your particular life and situation and financial picture and everything is. And so you have to, you have to approach that as an attorney, you have to cater to what your client situation is and, and be flexible and be creative and know how to talk to other attorneys and, and develop relationships. A lot of it is relationship building. And, um, anyway. Uh, no, you, you definitely answered it. I mean, there, and I'm sure the more we dig into this um, uh, question, if you want to call it that, but it's not so much a question that has a, uh, you know, a yes or no answer. Right. Or it, it, it is, and it might be unique to set special uh, particular people, um, age, experience, um, just their upbringing, their, you know, you know there's always going to be uh, cultural and demographic and certain, you know, quirks and idiosyncrasies to, to people that that's a given we're human. But when it comes down to brass tacks, as they say, you know, if I were to give a checklist to a client, when I said, go out there and interview these following three attorneys, and you want to make sure they had the following blank qualities, we'd want to at least make sure they were uh, flexible, good listeners, empathetic, problem solvers, resilient, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, you touched on many and it, and it could be something you and I, you know, write a blog on or something, but it, it's something that really people, people do need to, to understand. It isn't just where they went to law school and, um, you know, their star rating on uh, whatever that guide is called, but there's more to it than that, I believe. Oh, I, in fact, I would say those two things that you just rattled off the, you know, their rating and where they went to law school are probably at the bottom of the list. Like, but like, isn't that where most people start from? Yes, right. Because people um, are, are trying to get quick, 
answers to their questions and, right. and don't and don't want to spend the time to, to research. And Google uh, isn't always going to give you the answer, everybody. You know, right. you have and to a, live it. Yeah. And, a, and a, a rating, like a review for a restaurant, you could go online and, and look for reviews and on Yelp, you know, right? And but and half of them are, are bad, half of them are good. And then but you got to go and you got to make your own assessment. Um, reviews for anything in life, you got to take with a grain of salt, a grain of salt, I think. And, yeah. and it's part of your research uh, in finding somebody. And so when people go looking for attorneys, um, I give them as a coach, if I'm working on, if I have the uh, ability to work with them before they hire an attorney, I give them a list of questions that they should ask attorneys. Um, so they get the information that they need during that consultation and they leave, you know, thinking, okay, you know, this guy is, or this woman's going to be somebody I can consider um, and, you know, keep on the list or, you know, cross them out right away. Like there's certain questions to ask because it's not just about their qualifications. It's about how you mesh with that person. It's a relationship, which I think is what you were getting back to. And we went off on a way tangent. It's my fault, but um, about, you know, an attorney and finding the right attorney for you is a relationship like any other. Um, and it amazes me how many people stress out over the relationship with their own attorney. Mm. Um, and like, if you're going through a, a traumatic divorce, a contested divorce, that's the last thing you should be worrying about is your attorney. And right. Uh, but so many people do. And so, again, you have to get along with them personality wise. Like, that's not to be that's not a trivial thing. Um no, nothing, nothing of the kind. Uh, you know, um, I reflected a little bit as you were describing that because when I did embark on the decision and my, um, you know, a journey of deciding whether divorce was really the only option for me way back in 2007, eight, um, I thought, what do I, well, first of all, I didn't even know what the options were and the, the questions were endless and overwhelming and fearful and stressful and all the things that both you and I, Jason, help people with on a daily basis. But back to those days when I myself was living it, I said to myself, what do I need to feel protected, prepared to build a case and to be able to get me through this? And I had lost my father. So I, my father, I didn't have that. I couldn't go to my dad for advice. I never had a brother. I was never close to my brother-in-laws. I wasn't obviously going to uh, turn to any of the males in my husband's family. And I, and I was a ballerina. So let's just face there weren't a lot of men in my life. So um, it just felt like, all right, I need a strong, tall, not burly, but like, you know, guy that's going to like walk in there and like make me feel heard and uh, protected. Right. Um, so um, I did um, luckily find uh, who was my attorney and he matched every one of those uh, descriptions. And uh, after eight and a half years of hanging out together uh, in and out of court preparing, um, let's just say, you know, that relationship as you brilliantly called it, Jason, is so vital. You need to feel that you have a relationship with your attorney. They don't need to be your best friend, and I suggest they're not, uh, but they should be, you should feel friendly with them, uh, but yet you should um, still realize that you will get ridiculously large bills if you uh, treat them as a BFF. So not, not, not a relationship. Now I segue a little bit here because you right. did also mention that when you were an attorney, you firsthand witnessed a lot of unhappy attorneys. 
So what is it about what makes them unhappy? Is it the hours? Is it the difficult clients? Is it just the topic of divorce? Like, what is that? That And I see that too in this. I have a lot of friends who are attorneys. So I say this with the deepest and utmost respect. Uh, it's a very stressful job. Uh, I personally I don't know that I have the demeanor, although my attorney, when hundreds of people reached out to me, I did call him and say, should I go to law school? And he <laughs> laughed and he said, you know, Paulette, you'd be one hell of a litigator. And the qualities they saw in me is that I was incredibly fastidious and organized and detailed, and I can multitask like nobody's business. I never say quit. I have diligent uh, work ethic. Um, I'm strong and courageous and a risk taker and all those other things that he said I needed in order to be successful as an attorney. But And I don't know if any of that's true, but uh, I knew that he too um, had those, um, uh, you know, I don't want to say analysis, but those that, that, that viewpoint that not all attorneys were happy. So what do you, what do you think it is? What is it about the profession that is um, kind of a, a blueprint for that? Honestly, I think it's just the nature of the work. Um, mm. And, you know, divorce is not a happy time, right? There, there was an old, an old saying, and I hope I get it right. Um, and it was told to me by attorneys when I first became a divorce attorney. Um, and it goes something like this. If I get it wrong, I apologize. But it's, you know, criminal attorneys, criminal law attorneys are dealing with bad people at their best, right? Criminals who are trying to get out of jail and yeah. you know, on their best behavior when they're at that point in the process. Um, family law, you're dealing with good people at their worst. I, I um, use that quote all the time. I'm so glad you brought it up. I, I think that's true, really right? it, right? Yeah. It's yeah. true. And, and because other good, the, the people that are getting divorced are otherwise good people. They're just like you and me, um, but the divorce—a divorce is, is, while it should be more amicable more often than not, it's not. Uh, and and because you're dealing with emotions and and history, a person's personal history of how they got to this point, um, all comes into play and affects different people in different ways. And so that's where you have to—the emotional intelligence I was talking about before—I think comes in handy and and it's beneficial. Um, to being a good divorce attorney, because you have to be able to identify those situations of what's going on, why they're going on, and and then handle that situation accordingly. And um, oh my God, I forgot where we were going with this. <laughs> I, was just, I had it in my mind, and it just went whoop. <laughs> just the fact that the nature of divorce, oh, the nature itself, is um, in every so way, negative. yeah. It's it's negative mm, and yeah. and there's no way to put whipped cream on that you know pie so to speak. It's a negative situation, and so this was my personal experience when mm-hmm. you're dealing with that, and even when you felt like you did a good job for mm. your client, right? Even when you it was all done and the dust settled and and you feel I felt good as an attorney about what happened and the result that we got. As the client you know, it's like going through a war zone, they're traumatized. And, and they're like, like PT, PTSD sometimes from going through a divorce. And mm-hmm. they don't, they don't always feel that way. Or, you know, I think I got a box of strawberries one time in my career as you know, a thank you note. And, and I'm not saying I was looking for boxes of strawberries from my clients, but like, you never got 
the payoff for me was the the smile on their face when it was done. You know, when they yeah. walked out of court yeah. with that judgment uh, of divorce, and I said, "Okay, it's over, move on. Now we can move on." And and they're like, "Yes, mm-hmm. thank you." Blah blah blah. Like that was why I I, I did it. And then when you don't get that, um, and oftentimes you don't get that because yeah. you know a good a good settlement for a divorce or a good settlement in anything you do in life um, is when both people aren't happy or the parties, you know, nobody is fully happy. Everybody's a little bit unhappy because everybody doesn't get everything they want, but that's what negotiating is all about. Um, and divorce is no different. And so oftentimes every people were still unhappy, even when the divorce was over. Yeah. And yeah. I think that wore on that wore on me and that that's what wears on attorneys who do it for such a long time is that, and then they get jaded um, and they get, get beaten down. Mm-hmm. And that's human nature. And it, and, it's- and they develop thick skin too. So they become a little inoc- inoculated. Is that, uh, in, it or, becomes um, inoculated. Yeah, I know what you're saying. No, but like uh, immune. Immune. Yeah. They become a little immune to the process and the emotions. And it's just, well, business as usual. I don't have a problem with, do you have a problem? What's the problem? Why is everybody freaking out? I've been doing this for 30 years, everybody. What's the big well, that's deal? It. For them, it's just another case. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, which I can understand because in a way, oh. as, a, as the professional, you kind of have to treat it that way to survive. And I see myself too, Jason, a little bit, not that I'm uh, in any way jaded, but because I have gone through it, not only personally, but professionally uh, with many, many people, um, I've studied it and practiced, you know, I'm not, I've never went to law school, although the big joke is that I got my PhD being the 1% going to appellant court and trial and, and that it's a very unique, as you yourself even said, when we first met, like, I can't believe you went through this. So Uh, you know, it was a highly unique situation. And I thought it was the norm. But when I learned that it wasn't the norm, that I was in fact, this, uh, uh, you know, unicorn, as I say, um, uh, it was like, what? You mean there's options? I didn't know there were there were options to this. Right. Everybody had to go through this torture and trauma. Um, but I do see that the longer we, um, are in the pool, swimming in it, and, and it becomes comfortable. Um, what is it that's another cliche here about, you know, if you put a frog in cold water and you turn up the heat, they die because they don't notice that it's starting to get hotter. But is if you true? throw a frog, that. not that I would do it, uh, but, but if one. you throw a frog in a pot of boiling water, it will jump out because it, it reacts. It, 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 it notices that I'm going to, yeah, it'll touch and go boing right out. So it, it obviously gets a little uh, scarred, but it doesn't die. So, you know, we, we just don't notice it because we're turning up the heat so slowly that we become desensitized to it. It's almost like when you watch violence on TV or you hear people yes. swear, right. you're just, you're around people that swear a lot, you start swearing. You and know, you you see violence on TV, you're like, oh, it's just, I don't know, like video games. You just- That's the word we're looking for, desensitized. That's desensitized, not, That's yeah. the perfect word. And that's what happens over time with yeah. anything really. It's, right, you become desensitized. And again, that's human nature. Mm. And I just didn't want that happened to me. Yeah. Um, you know, I, and, and so I got it. I got it. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I have to respect you for that because so many people just say, well, that's the profession I chose. I'm making a ton of money and so be it. Now, the other thing is also I see a, a lot of um, professionals in this, and I don't just mean attorneys, they have a very difficult time not taking it home with them. They can't turn it off or separate their professional life and mindset from their personal one. And that can also do damage to themselves. And attorneys and people in this profession also have a very high divorce rate, believe it or not. So, uh, you know, so be careful what you wish for, you know. Yes. Um, and and one thing, I, not to interrupt you, but one thing I noticed too was that I felt like with a lot of the more experienced divorce attorneys, what has what happened was from a like psychological point of view is that not only was I litigating the divorce with their client, but I felt like I was litigating their personal divorces. Some, sometimes there were multiple ones. And again, and that line was getting blurred. And they didn't even know it or, you know, they wouldn't realize it, but it was apparent to me that, which from a psychological standpoint, makes sense, right? When you're dealing with a negative topic like that, and when you go through it personally, it only makes sense that eventually you're going to whatever's happening personally, you can't keep it repressed forever. Um, and if you don't deal with it healthy, in a healthy manner, originally, it's just going to come back and, and keep revisiting you. Right. And so yeah, I, yeah. I noticed that too. Yeah. Well, I don't want to beat the topic to death. I think we've really covered it, but I think it's really important for people to understand. This is an important thing for you to understand. You are making a commitment to work with somebody for a long period of time, regardless of it's amicable or not. If this isn't like uh, going to the dentist and having your teeth cleaned and, you know, see you next year, although that can happen too. Um, you, you do really need to have a, a comfort level with people. So take, take this advice um, at heart. But I do want to segue a little bit. Uh, you did have a conversation recently with the authors of a book about the, the growing unfortunate trend about gray divorce. And I see it in the work I do. Maybe it's a demographic thing here, but um, although this is pretty uh, unilateral all over the country and even uh, in other places as well, um, that marriages that have lasted 25, 30, ish years, maybe even more 35. I have one up to 38, 39, 33 years, yeah. um, suddenly make the decision or not so suddenly we'll leave that up for another conversation, decide to end it. Uh, it could be both parties decide, but the, I, I do see the trends, uh, increasing and, and the fact that now we even have a term for it, uh, grays and marriages, uh, a divorce in where uh, one or both of the parties are over the age of 50 and silver is this term that they're using for, uh, one or both of the parties are over 62 because it of course involves uh, social security and retirement. Uh, so, what do you see? Why do you think it's happening? What did you gain from the authors of the book? Um, um, it just makes me um, curious about this growing trend. Yeah, it, it, and it's something that was so intriguing to me, but yet not often talked about, or I think I saw it on the you know news on one segment, you know, one time um, over the last year. But this is it's not a new phenomenon, but it's becoming more prevalent as people uh, in these long-term marriages are getting uh, older. Um, and I don't, I'm not personally working with a ton of people who we would categorize in the gray divorce area yet, but I could understand why this is happening. Um, and I, and I think part of it is 
people are living longer, you know, just generally speaking. Um, and they realize at some point, if they've been in a declining or bad toxic environment for a while, they realize, you know what? I still have a lot of time left and I'm going to try to be happy. And, and, and that goes for both people. Like, you know, I've always said this as a divorce attorney and, and just as a person, I think everybody has a right to be happy. Um, and so whether, you know, one person is, you know, whether you're blaming your spouse or vice versa, or, you know, for, for, you know, quote unquote, causing uh, the divorce or the bad relationship at that point, it doesn't matter. Like you either going to try to reconcile and try to work through it, which I always encourage, by the way, or you're going to choose to part ways and, and which is fine. Like both of you deserve to be happy, right? At that point, it's not a blame game anymore, at least. It's yeah. Um, and so, yeah, but that's, that's it. It's, it's doing, it's doing that and realizing that even at um, 55 or six years old, you still got a lot of time left, hopefully, and make the best of it. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I'm not necessarily sure it's just because we are getting older and living longer, but um, the the older we are, um, the more we have um, baggage, shall we say, I hate that word, but I'm just going to use it, um, yeah. experiences, habituations, patterns, habits, and we either become you know, uh, numb to our partner's idiosyncrasies, or they start to really annoy you. But what I've seen is that one or both of the parties, you know, they're going along together, everything's great. And then one starts to feel um, a pull towards a new career, or they want to change their diet, or they um, want to move, they just can't deal with the weather, or there's some sort of thing in their life that they feel they want to work on or improve or study or grow, or it, they just feel that something needs to change right. uh, as, a, as, a, as a unit, as a family, as a team, as a, a marriage. And the other party says, nope, I like everything just the way it is. Well, you know what that's called? And, and, and that's the hard part. And that's the hard part to foresee mm. when you get married uh, younger, right? Is that the idea and the goal, I think everybody strives for when they get married. Nobody gets married hoping to get divorced. I haven't met anybody who did that. Right. But the reality is at some point in your path, you're supposed to grow through life together and adapt and pivot and change together and, and, and kind of be on the same page as far as how you do that and strategy and lifestyle and all that. And when one person decides that they want to change that plan drastically and the other person doesn't want to change, that's where that divergence happens. And, you know, it's, it's understandable and, you know, sometimes unforeseeable. Um, and, that, and, and I think that's what happens is that, like you said, one person wants to do something and change a major facet of their life, whether it's lifestyle or geography, career, and the other person is resistant to that um, and they can't agree and do it together. Mm. And I love the fact that the authors um, have subtitled the book about the adult children of divorce, uh, kind of like we, we talk about adult children of alcoholics and adult children of you name it, but I've never really heard the term adult children, um, 
you know, yes, divorce before, you know, like not an ACOA, but an ACOD, I suppose we have a new acronym to add to the 20 billion we already have, but, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, divorce that. leader in life can even be more complicated when you have grown children. Although child custody is now not an issue, there may be concern about caregiving and family inheritances. The other thing I see is how divorce impacts women older, because after you've been in a marriage for a long time, say over, um, you know, 20, 30 years, the rate of divorce among adults divorcing 50 and over are increasing. The the statistic I read is 109%. And it affects women more than men because the the income drops of women 40% after divorce and men 25% because it's much more expensive to lead two households than just one. So it's a little tricky with like, we're, you know, Jason and I are not encouraging this statistic, but it's real and it's a daunting. And it's really important that um, you don't just, um, make rash decisions uh, because uh, it affects other family members and your long-term goals. Maybe it comes down to choosing happiness, who knows, but there is a growing number. And the fact that, I mean, that is an incredible statistic, right? I actually just found it and read it. Over the past 25 years, the rate of divorce among adults 50 and older has increased 109%. it is crazy. And, and that's why um, that um, isn't something we want to laugh about. And again, the longer you're in married, the more assets you have, the more debt you may have, the more people it might affect. Um, and you just come into it with more baggage, right? If you've in your early 20s, you don't have kids and you have like an apartment and a bicycle, uh, you know, you might need Jason and I for like 20 minutes. Right. Um, <laughs> right. But, you know, if you, it's not that complicated. Um, we could probably give you a roadmap really easily. I um, mean, it may be emotionally and uh, in many ways, uh, psychologically, spiritually hard, but when it comes down on paper, it's going to be, it's going to be quite simple. Uh, but the, let's face it, you've been married 20, 30, 40 years and you've got stuff and oh my, it, it's going to get um, more and more difficult. Um, uh, what do they say? Little money, little problems, big money, big problems when it comes to divorce. So, and there is something really powerful to that statement about the fact that, uh, you know, family law basically is good people, but at their worst behavior, because it magnifies every negative quality that anybody has. It's like throwing, you make a list of your top worst qualities and we could all do it. Um, and just uh, maybe bold them in a pink neon and, and realize that. Yeah, they amplified, right? It amplifies, yeah. yeah. So, well, so. thank you for your time. I knew when we met, it would be um, a great friendship and a, a great relationship because we really are a rarity. There aren't that many of us out here that are making full-time careers about being professional divorce consultants and coaches. Um, I'm more of a mediator. You've got the legal side and we really do um, run the gamut of what it's like to help people get from A to Z, whether it be contemplation, approaching, managing, surviving, or even healing from the divorce after dating, changing your name, setting yourself up for success. Divorce is an A to Z process. It's not something you just, uh, you know, jump in and um, make, um, you know, 
light of it. Uh, it's a deep involved process. So I thank you so much. What is the best way for people to learn more about your podcast and your show and everything you do? Oh, well, thank you so much. And it was such a pleasure to be on with you and talk with you again. So uh, thank you. And um, people can find me. I keep it really simple. Uh, my website is just my name, jasonlavoy.com. And from there, you can find everything you want to know uh, and don't want to know about me. Um, I, I host, I do host my own podcast, which uh, I was so happy to have you as a guest on uh, the Divorce Resource Guy podcast. You can find that wherever podcasts are, are heard. And then I also offer group and personal uh, divorce coaching. Mm, I love that. Well, thank you again, everyone. I hope this has been helpful because when um, I met Jason, I knew that any guy that um, would uh, shift his life for something more um, challenging and more beneficial is really what it's about. Then it was, it was a worthwhile conversation. So uh, keep thriving, everyone. Talk soon. Bye. Thanks for tuning in and make sure if you want to talk to us or ask us questions, you can always email us at thrivinginchaospodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.